0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin Open up in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs We'll start at Proverbs chapter 19 And as I mentioned we are starting the section regarding ministering to the family and the soul and we'll subtitle this my section one of the soul we have two sections coming up concerning the soul but my section one of the teaching concerning the soul is identifying the problem now as we minister this it's going to seem like our concentration is on marriage but trust me this applies to husband wife daughter son Brother, sister, whatever the case might be, uh, as far as the family goes, this is going to minister to you. Now, we, we will have what seems to be a concentration on marriage, but trust me, this will apply. and You have to listen and pay attention to it. Now, when, when it concerns marriage, I want you to understand that marriage is God's institution. The family itself is designed by God. And it, when it concerns marriage, marriage is not designed to test you. Marriage is not designed to challenge you. Marriage is not designed to frustrate you. And, and, you know, sometimes we have to watch how we talk. Watch the phrases we use. You know, we we just flow with the world and we don't even think about the things we say. You know, we call our husband our old man. Call our wife our old lady. People haven't even reached the age of 30 yet. My old lady. And, and I understand what we'll say. We'll say, "Hey, that, that's just that's just you know, phraseology. We don't mean anything about by it." But yeah, you know, but it carries with it certain connotations. You know, when, when you get in a car, don't you like that new car smell? Have you ever been in an old car before? It smells not the same, is it? So when you talk about your old car, it doesn't carry the same connotation. You know, when you get in a new car, don't you like how the seats feel? In an old car, you know, they're cracked. Cushion is showing. And so we start to use those kind of terminologies. and, And what we're saying is that, hey, you know, marriage ain't all that. Now, what happens is that once you are married, you find out that marriage may not be what you imagined it to be before you were married. You will find out that marriage, sounds like a fast food commercial now, but marriage is not made to order. You know, I want pickles, no tomatoes, light on the onions. You know, marriage doesn't come that way. And so you have your particular idea of what it should be or how it should work out, and it, you find out that it just does not work out that way. So it's, it's possible that you end up getting disappointed after having been married. Very possible that you get frustrated. After having been married. Now I want to. I'm going to get into the goal of. Our teaching on the soul. And I want to make sure. That I mention this first. Two words. Imminent danger. Okay. Now I want to. If you're married. And there's imminent danger. I want to make sure you understand this. There needs to be physical separation. Between you and your spouse. I'm not saying divorce. I'm not closing the door to reconciliation. I'm saying if there's imminent danger, if you are... your spouse... are in imminent physical danger, you don't need to be under the same roof. If one is threatening another's life, you don't want to be under the same roof. I give you my advice. How about that? You don't want to be under the same roof. Listen... If someone's sleeping around and, you know, I don't care what you use as contraceptive, it's not 100%, you're putting one another's life in threatening situations on a regular basis. There needs to be physical separation. You you need to be under different roofs, okay? And and I'll say it this way. When you say these things, you, you have in mind those who are the ones being threatened, and sometimes both of you threaten one another. And the one who professes godliness should leave. Hallelujah. See, see ideally, the one who's doing the offending should be the one to leave. And I'm going to tell you this. If you're not the offender, but you're being offended, um, when you go to leave, don't go by yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Don't go by yourself. And here, and I'm gonna give you another piece of advice. And when it comes to, well, I, you should leave. I shouldn't leave. You know, don't even make that an argument. Just get the separation. Now, now, and if you're you're one who's been tiptoeing out and call yourself a believer, you need to leave. Well, then they're gonna know. Well, in all honesty, you know, you're putting their life in. And imminent danger. Oh, well, well if, if we separate, then they may go out and look for somebody else. Listen to this. Listen to this. In all honesty, if you've been slipping around, sleeping around and they're still with you, they're on your side. They want you to get it right. Uh, they're rooting for you. They want you to get it settled. And so they're not going anywhere. And, and trust me. Trust me. You've given them enough ammunition already if they wanted to leave to have left. So I want to make sure that you... When you when you hear these things, we don't want you in that situation. Let me, let, me, let me talk about myself. Let me not put everybody else's name on this. I don't want you working on yourself while you're in imminent danger. You don't need to be there while someone else is working on themselves and you're in imminent danger. Okay, The word still applies. The word still is going to work. Right? But sometimes... You don't want to be in that situation because it may take a turn for the worse. Okay? And that's just reality. That's just honest to goodness. So I understand when we talk to people, some people are having like small issues. Other people are having imminent danger issues. And yeah, you need ministry. Both of you need ministry. But while you're being ministered to, let's not be under the same roof. And again, we've heard it. It's already been ministered. You know, don't use the name of the Lord in vain. Don't use this as an occasion to to do all kinds of ungodly things. This is on purpose. It's on purpose so that the souls can be worked on. Amen? All right. So here's the goal of this teaching, this section on the soul. We want to address how to deal with struggles, with wrong thoughts. Depression in marriage after the newness has worn off. We want to deal with the struggles with the wrong thoughts and depression in marriage after the newness has worn off. We want to to, to deal with the struggles when things are not what you thought they would be. We want to deal with the struggles with they're not the way you want them to be, etc., etc. Alright, so we want to be able to address that. We want to address how to deal with struggles with wrong thoughts and depression in marriage after the newness is worn off. When things are not what you thought they would be. When things are not the way you want them to be. We want to address how to handle struggling with what you think might be a midlife crisis. Yeah, and I put that in quotation marks. Midlife crisis. Again, we've got to watch what we say. We just adopt terms and say, yeah, that's me. I self diagnose myself. I got a midlife crisis. Okay. So we want to address how to handle struggling with what you think is a, a midlife crisis and, and feeling inadequate. Or as if you're missing something. We want to address how to handle depressing and debilitating thoughts in the family. And then we want to make sure you learn how to control your thoughts and identify when you are too hard on yourself and too hard on others. I'm taking my time with this, and let me say this again. So we want to address how to deal with struggles with wrong thoughts and, and depression in marriage after the newness is worn off. When things are not what you thought they would be, they're not the way you want them to be, we want to deal with how to... Handle struggling with what you think might be a midlife crisis and feeling inadequate or as if you are missing something. How to handle depressing and debilitating thoughts. And then learn how to control your thoughts and identify when you're too hard on yourself and on others. So that's the goal. Have three objectives. Objective number one... I want to give you a proper view of faith with respect to marriage. I trust that people who are tuning in are people of faith. So I want to give you a proper view as it relates to faith with respect to your marriage. Objective number two. I'm going to give you what is required in combination with faith what is required in combination with faith for every successful marriage. And objective number three. And I want to identify for you where these thoughts come from. That's why we call this identifying the problem. So three objectives. I'm going to give you a proper view of faith with respect to marriage. Marriage. We're going to find out what's required in combination with faith for every successful marriage. And then we want to identify where these thoughts come from. Now, if you're in the book of Proverbs, turn to Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19, we're going to look at verse 21. Proverbs 19 and 21 reads, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. There are many things we have in mind. Many things we purpose. Many things we plan out. But I want to tell you, those things will fail. Those things don't always come through. What you mapped out doesn't always end up being that way. But I will tell you what does come through every time. The counsel of the Lord is going to stand. It's going to endure. It's going to come through. Trust the Lord. Trust His counsel. Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Verse 22. Proverbs 15 and 22 reads, without counsel purposes are disappointed. Purposes are frustrated without counsel. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. In the multitude of counselors, they are established. Look, when you lack appropriate counsel, the results are going to be disappointing. When you lack appropriate counsel, you know what appropriate counsel is? Godly counsel. Biblically based counsel. Counsel that comes from the throne room of God. Counsel inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. When you lack that, you are in line for disappointed results. Results that will frustrate you. Now when it talks about the multitude of counselors see that's appropriate counsel I want to make sure you understand this this is not a second, third, fourth and opinion until you get the opinion you want. This is saying get as much of the word of God as you can. So when we talk about appropriate counsel multitude of counselors this is with respect to both the source and your patience. Let that sink in. This is with respect to both the source of the counsel and then your patience. Amen. Because it takes time to get more and more counsel. And we'll we'll talk about things that patience is going to be needed for with respect to identifying the problem as well. Now, look look at this in Matthew chapter... 11. I want you to hear the words of the Lord. Matthew chapter 11. Let's read verse 28 through 30. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hear ye the words of the Lord. You're frustrated. You're disappointed. He says, you know what? I want you to have rest. I want you to have a rest, and with this rest comes peace. See, when you're frustrated in marriage, when you're suffering from debilitating thoughts, when when depression is seem like it's settling in, you lack peace, you lack rest. But there is a Savior, there is a Lord who wants to give you rest. See, because now now we're now we're going into objective number one. I want you to have a proper view of faith as a, with respect to marriage. So, so, you're a person of faith, and I want you to understand you and your faith have come to the one who wants to give you rest. He wants to give you peace. But know this this is a rest from the internal damage of sin. This is a rest from the internal damage of sin. This is internal peace. You hear me? Please understand, this is internal peace. This is peace on the inside. He's not saying, I'm going to rearrange and make world peace happen. He's saying, I'm going to make your peace come to you. I'm going to give you a peace that can endure in spite of the outside circumstances. This is a great internal peace. And I want you to understand this. No other peace is actually very good or very stable if there is the absence of internal peace. Look, you might be a child who has gotten cross with your parent. And as time goes on, you might be able to get a chance to reconcile with that parent. But if there is an absence of internal peace, that thing is very fragile. not stable at all. You might go off. The slightest thing, the slightest change in outside circumstances puts that so-called peace on shaky ground. So I don't care what kind of peace you want, if there's the absence of internal peace, every other peace is unstable. Not so sure at all. So you need internal peace. So there must first be rest for your soul. And this rest is yours. It is yours. By grace through faith. Amen. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of some things. Sometimes we need to go back to the basics. Who am I? I am one who has come to the Lord who has given me internal peace. It's mine. This rest is mine by grace through faith. And what faith does, faith puts you in position. It puts you in a place, the best place for rest. It puts you in the best place for victory. Now check that out because there's an internal rest. But you want more than the internal rest. We're we're talking about people in crisis. Uh, We're we're talking about you and your mind not being satisfied, not being... uh, Being frustrated, in your mind being disappointed in the situation you're in, and you've committed yourself for a lifetime. And so, yeah, you might, yeah, I got the internal peace, but, you know, that internal peace puts you in best place for the other rest, for the other victories that you want. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. You know what I find interesting? I find interesting is that when somebody has a crisis inside their body, you go to a doctor, and the doctor says, you know what, let's find out what this crisis is. They run all kinds of tests, they send stuff off for analysis, and they come back to you and they say, now I know what the crisis is. You're like, doctor, can you fix it? Doctor says, I can fix it. And when the doctor says I can fix it, you know they don't take care of it right there at that moment. You schedule an appointment, right? Because they got to get things in order. You know, there's certain equipment we have to have the right people, the right specialists in place at that time. And then when you make it, you got to get there early. Got to get pre- prepared and and make sure everything is fine. Get you resting, check, check your vitals, and make sure you're good to go. And then they get you on on, on uh, uh, into the operating room, and you know it doesn't happen like that. It takes time. So when you're in crisis, this is why I say in the multitude of counsel, in the appropriate counsel, it talks about not only the source, but it talks about your patience. See, let the doctor do what the doctor does. Because the doctor knows how to handle the crisis. And so we get to a point in our life where we're at crisis, and we step in, we say, God, do an immediate work. But we didn't get there immediately. And we get anxious. You know, we let the doctor do his thing, but we want God to move immediately. Trust God. Let God do what he needs to do. Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse number 8. It says, Then came Amalek, and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out fight with Amalek tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed and when he let down his hand Amalek prevailed but Moses' hands were heavy And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, I like this. There's just so much in the scripture. So much in the scripture. Here's one thing I want you to note. God could have wiped Amalek out like that. Would you not agree? Isn't that the kind of God that we serve? He's well able to win the battle without us lifting a finger. But I'm here to tell you, there's some battles you're going to have to fight. There's some battles you're going to have to fight. And, and, and trust me in this. Moses knows that he can go to God and ask God. And I am sure that when verse 1 happened, then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim, I am sure that Moses went to God. See, because they had that kind of relationship. God says, now now, I talk with him face to face. We got that kind of relationship. So There's no doubt in my mind, Moses went to God in prayer. God. You see us. we They're trying to put us in crisis. Wow. We have a people in crisis. There's a battle. There's a conflict. This conflict arises, and it has to be dealt with. Otherwise, there's not going to be any rest. I'm sure Moses went to God. He said, God, you didn't bring us out of Egypt to be unsettled. You didn't bring us out of Egypt to be frustrated. You didn't bring us out of Egypt to stay in crisis. I'm sure you went to God with that. But God did not fight this battle for this people. Some things will require more than prayer. Some things are going to require more than prayer. The message of God is clear. You're gonna to have to fight, but to win this battle, you're gonna to have to hold up the rod. You prayed. God heard. And there's some battles you're gonna to have to fight, but He's given you the strategy. He's given you this is how you're gonna win. I can't fight it for you. But I can give you I can give you the rod to hold up. The rod must be held up, or you will not get rest. You will either remain in crisis or succumb to the crisis. You better hold up the rod. And I'll tell you plainly that rod is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Amalek didn't look to the rod, Israel did. Amalek didn't have the promise. Israel did. <laughs> you, person of faith, you have received of the promise. And that promise is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the time of this battle where you have to fight, you better hold up the rod. Because that rod, with that rod, is your victory. If you take your eyes off that rod, if that rod is not held up, then you will be discomfited. You will remain in crisis. You will stay disappointed and you will stay frustrated. But I hear him say, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not I might. Not that there's a chance. I, I'm going to give you rest. But you've got to hold up that rod. This rod is not the psychology of the age. This rod is not positive thinking. This rod is not positive confession. No, no, you need to say things like that. I forget the terminology. There's a a saying, you know, uh, uh, take it till you make it. That's not the rod. Confess it until it is so. That's not the rod. <laughs> Listen, this rod is not of a perfect acting spouse. I, I think it got quiet all over the live stream at that. It's not the, the perfect acting spouse is not where your victory is found. That's not what you're holding up. As long as they act right, I'll be right. No, that's the wrong rod. That rod is not the marriage that you dreamed of, that you imagined. That's not the rod. That's not where the victory is. Hey, man, I like what was said in the last teaching. See, you know, behaviors can change for a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's not what you want. <sighs> Again. Uh, here you are a woman and he's giving you the right behavior but behind your back he's saying that old lady of mine (laughs) that's not what you want that's not the rod to hold up listen that rod is not having children by a certain age that rod is not living a certain or at a certain economic level that rod is not living in a certain neighborhood. That's not the rod that you're holding up. That's not where your victory is found. There are plenty of people with children and they don't have that victory. There are plenty of people who live in the gated neighborhoods and they don't have that victory. There are plenty of people who have a spouse who acts right, but they don't have that victory. Not anything else but Christ. lift up the wrong rod there will be no victory which means a disturbed peace and a disturbed rest you know I, I love my guy because after giving you internal peace he wants your life to be at peace hold up the rod trust the Lord's methods, because you got you got to see this right here we are, we're in a battle, mano y mano, against another nation. And where's Moses? Moses up there holding up a rod. That's strange. That's weird. That's, that's not how we fight battles. Yeah, but you got to learn to trust God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If They should not have learned anything else from that experience after he was helped. He had, had to have some help to hold up that rod. Amen. Glory to God. He wasn't on his own with that. But after he held up that rod and they won, they should have learned, you know what, we need to stop questioning God's method and just get in line. Now look at this in first Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. I want to give you a proper view of faith as with respect to your marriage. First Peter chapter 1 because what does your faith have to do with this you're a person of faith but you're not happy in marriage you're frustrated where you are you're, you're, you're disappointed and I'm telling you right now if there's a fight you gotta fight if you want the victory you better hold up the rod. What does my faith have to do with 1 Peter chapter 1? Let's start at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that is not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time I like that, that verse who are kept I like the idea of being kept who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation so you're kept by the power of God through faith but it's to a certain place into salvation ready to be revealed in the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations thank you my God I can hold on to my faith when things aren't going right but I have to have a proper view of what my faith is getting me to because through faith I'm being kept And I'm kept by the power of God. Amen. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith Here's the end of your faith Even the salvation of your souls I want to make sure This is clear Because there are a lot of things That are being taught out there That just aren't so Okay Faith is for salvation Faith is for salvation Let me say it again. Faith is for salvation. Faith is for salvation, which is ready to be revealed at the last time. It's for redemption. Faith is for the saving of my soul. Listen, faith is not for marriage. Faith is not for a spouse. Faith is for salvation. Some people come to God and say, God, if you give me. See, you want faith for something other than salvation. But we who are in the faith, we have come and we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And when we go through struggles, because we hold on, At the end, we will receive the end of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. So faith is for salvation. Faith is for redemption. Faith is for the saving of my soul. But here's the important thing. Everything that was tainted by sin, now, because of my faith, everything in my life now becomes influenced by Christ. Amen. And I want to tell you this. Without Christ, I don't stand a chance. Hallelujah. Without Christ, I don't stand a chance. But you have Christ. Christ has you. Everything in your life now gets a chance to be influenced by Christ. And it is influenced by Christ according to what I allow, it's according to what I allow. when I allow Christ into my world. How do I say this? Too many people confess the Lord and then leave them. Let me tell you one of the dangers with wanting to be married is that when you get married, you're through with the Lord. You were faithful with all things pertaining to God before you were married. Then you get married... And suddenly, you're not as committed as you used to be to the things of God. That's not the idea of marriage. Because remember, it was God. God did not give us the benefit of marriage so that we could be done with Him. So everything in my life was tainted by sin, but now becomes influenced by Christ, and it's only influenced by Christ according to what I allow. I have to allow Him into my world I have to allow him into my thoughts I have to allow him when it concerns my joys and my pains and then still trusting him fully even when I'm in pain even when there's an absence of joy even when things externally aren't going my way so when I allow him into my world then comes the peace Then comes the joy. Then comes no condemnation. All all the stuff we like to shout about. I've got to allow Christ into my situation. Listen, faith works in marriage. But your faith is not in the marriage. It's in God's ability to redeem you. And this is not to say that you have, that you don't have peace with God. This is to say you have peace with God. (laughs) Amen. Peace with God is yours. Hallelujah to your name. You know, here's what I do believe. I believe we cannot guarantee that your spouse is going to do right. But I can guarantee if you stay with Christ, your peace with God is sure. (laughs) Hallelujah! Here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. You you make your choice. Here you are. You're in a disappointing situation. You're in a frustrated situation, and you can you're going to be in that frustrating situation for a little bit. Now you can be in that frustrating situation with Christ, or you can be in that frustrating situation without Christ. You can be in that frustrating situation without the one who says. Come to me, all you that labor. He says, come to me. He says, I'm not coming to you. He says, you come to me. So you can be in that frustrating situation without him, or you can be in that situation and say, you know what? I have peace with God. It might be frustrating right now, but I know, I know that I'm with the one who can bring me the victory. I'm going to hold up that rod. I'm going to keep it held up and we're going to stop right there because next week we're going to talk about what must accompany your faith because there's something that accompanies faith for every successful marriage and I want to make sure you understand this I'm not guaranteeing you a successful marriage but I guarantee you this without this you won't have one hold up the rod trust God all those methods don't seem like the method of today you know, they, they got different types of firearms. And they you know, they, got, they got new slingshots nowadays. More accurate than they used to be. That's what we should be going out and getting. We, we need a bigger army. God said, hold up the rod. <laughs> hold up the rod. And you know what you had to do? They had to wait until the battle was over to see that God was faithful. See, the most of the counselors, their safety.